Hey everybody, Stephen here from The Truth About Dyslexia. In today's episode, I want to talk about something called dyslexic picture lock. It's when your brain gets a picture in it and it's so firm that you believe it's true, even when it's not. I want to talk a little bit about this, where it appears, how it affects us, and what I recommend doing about it. So let's dive into today's episode. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. So why has this come up in my life today? Why is this the topic? So spending time with my dad kind of brought it back to the forefront and then it was embedded deeper when I saw a six-year-old go down the exact same track. Now, the dyslexic picture lock is in, in simple terms. When you have a picture that's so clear in your mind of something that hasn't happened yet, you decide, you make decisions based on that picture that is not real. The challenge with dyslexia is our brains are quicker, uh, some say six times faster than lineal thinkers, which are the more neurotypical uh, people in our in our world. Our brains are just much faster, not because of ADHD, which is sometimes um, what people think it is. It's actually due to the, our brains being primarily image-based. We think in pictures, and pictures are much, much quicker. You know, when they say a picture says a thousand words, it's kind of true, right? A picture can give so much more context, so much more clarity. It has feeling and emotion attached. It has all this stuff that a word, you know, or words take a lot longer to get across. And when we're thinking visually, um, it's a big challenge. This is something that happens in a million places. But today we're going to think about this dyslexic picture lock in our brains. Now, with my father, catching up with him, one of the things that I remembered was how, you know, before him and my mother broke up, I'll be nice and clear, they're not together anymore. That's um, very, you know, I've said that in previous podcasts. Um, but he would, he would really struggle to go to a party with my mother. He would really struggle to go there. Now, part of that, he had a bit of social anxiety, but more than anything, he'd been to one or two in the past, years and years ago. We're talking years prior. And at those parties, he had a very clear picture of what happened. He went there. He didn't know anyone. He struggled to make small talk, which many of us do anyway, <laughs> and uh, it was painful. So instead of him going, I'm going to go along to support my mother at the time, which would have been a huge thing for her, he had such a clear picture that these parties were all going to be exactly the same, nothing would change, he wouldn't like anybody, and so he just went, no, I'm not going. Now, not only does that cause issues in life and social uh, operations of life, uh, it showed my mother that he wasn't really thinking about her, he didn't really get her, it was so important to her. But he was, in his own world, he was so sure he was right. Now, were all those parties exactly the same? No. They were not, it was not one party that repeated each year. They were different things, different events. Some of them had, you know, different themes. Some of them actually were based around, like, an event that was happening. Maybe it was a, a fun run or something. It could be a bunch of things. But in his head, he had already got this picture so clear, the emotion of that picture was so clear to him, he was not putting himself in that position again. That lock was so, so firm that it was truth to him. In real, in the real world, it wasn't truth at all. It was just, you know, a couple of previous memories and he was living in that past experience. 
And this is what I see so often with dyslexics is we live in these past experiences and we can't get ourselves out. We have to have someone help us to get out of it. And this came to the forefront again when we had a six-year-old running around. So we've just moved her grandfather into a home. Um, He's getting a bit older. He's needing a bit more support. And you know, when you're getting older, a three-story house is not quite as easy as a one-story apartment that doesn't have a lot of stairs, right? So it was a big move, you know, not going too deep into that. It was a big experience. There was a lot of work. (laughs) There's a lot of planning. Uh, The amazing Holly did an amazing job there. But what happened with the six-year-old is she wasn't really part of the move. You know, she was, you know, too young to be running around and getting, you know, boxes, uh, you know, flying around. So she didn't really experience a lot of the, the house sale, the move. And we we wanted to take her to see her grandfather at his new place. And she's like, no, I don't want to go and see it. It's not the old house I've always known. And I don't want to even see it. I'm not going to like it. Don't take me there. That was her picture in her brain. No, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to like it. I didn't want him to move. It didn't go down my way, my way of control. And uh, I can't picture where he's living at all. I'm not even going to risk not liking it. That was kind of the process through her mind. And, you know, you see this in kids. Kids, again, you know, of all types go through these challenges. But, you know, she's a very smart kid and her brain is always running over time. And, you know, you could see her get really like, no, I'm not going to do it. Um, we saw this again with a movie. She watched a trailer of a movie for about, well, actually, she watched the beginning of a movie for about three and a half minutes. And to her, she had watched the whole movie. So she wasn't going to watch it again. She already knew what happened. There was no point in watching it. You know, so she already had in her head that she'd already watched it and it was gone from her life. She didn't want to see it again. <laughs> and so her brain was already like, oh, it's done in my life. It's dead to me now. And so, you know, these were two real interesting examples recently. And, you know, you know, you have to be, you know, kids, you've got a bit more control over. As we become adults, we're much more terrible at letting someone help us get past these locked in pictures, right? We we like to hold them like they're truths when they're not. They're all just fallacies. You know, we're all just a bunch of kids telling ourselves stories, you know, in, in, in a deep way, in my opinion. You know, every one of us believes what we think is right. Majority of us are completely wrong. Pretty much, actually, all of us are completely wrong because they're only the stories we tell ourselves. And with dyslexia, our stories are friggin' powerful, man. They're all visual, they're full of emotion, they're full of reality. They feel like we've lived them, even if we've just created them in our heads. So it's really important to know that, to understand that about yourself, because not everyone experiences life that way. It is not a hundred percent of the population it is closer to 15 to 20 percent of us based on statistics i have seen and so you know these things can be really challenging and so with a with a six-year-old we have a little bit more control and uh you know the benefit is their their sphere is a little smaller you know so we can say hey we're gonna we're gonna go out for lunch we're gonna spend the voucher your granddad got you for your birthday But what we have to do when we've bought you those beautiful little presents is we have to take them to granddad to show him very, very quickly. We'll stay there for two minutes and then we'll leave straight away. 
And so she's like, hmm, this seems like a good bet. You know, I'm getting some presents and I only have to be with Granddad for two minutes at his new house. I guess I could make that deal. So, you know, negotiating with kids, like negotiating with terrorists, right? You, you nego- <laughs> trying to trying to get a deal that works. Uh, so we, um, we negotiated the deal and, and Holly took her. And, you know, the minute she got there, she loved it. She wouldn't leave. She didn't want to leave. She was like, wow, this is amazing. Looks just like Granddad's house but smaller. It's got all this stuff in it. And, oh, I've got a jelly bean. Thank you, granddad. You know, all this stuff is happening around her. And so she's loving it. She's now in the experience. She's in the real life experience of it all. And she loves it. So getting her across that, that kind of um, gap, you got to be creative. And this just remember, this doesn't change for adults, right? This does not change the way we work we think we are smarter the older we get the more we think we've learned but realistically what happens is the images in our head get firmer and firmer and firmer and they're much harder to shake out we believe what we believe rightfully or wrongfully our brains are like well it's kept us alive this long i'm you know what's the point in changing And I think the key thing is, is making sure, you know, and this is what I really wanted to get across in today's podcast, is one, becoming aware that your mind is a visual beast. It's full of emotion, images, and a a lot of them are not real. They're composites of a bunch of stuff that's happened to you in your past that you're projecting into your future. And they can really keep you trapped. And if you've got dyslexia or your partner has dyslexia and you wonder why, wonder why he or she is so firm on what they believe, it's because the picture in their head, the feeling is so clear. You know? And so how do you get out of it? How do you change? How do you shift? You know, in my opinion, one, you've got to have good people around you that care, love, and love you. Because you, know? you can only do so much of this yourself. You know, I, I really see it. I, I see a lot of dyslexics that, you know, think they're massively risk-taking, growth-orientated people. And I do believe growth is something that we all value to a point. You know, whether we call it growth, whether we call it development or learning, maybe we just call it life shifts, whatever you want to call it, we like change in, in a sense. But then there's this other side of us who's completely risk-adverse. You know, we've spent all our lives actually trying to build some level of routine and comfort. And, you know, we don't want to break that either. But it can also be the thing that traps us. So having external help, and I see this from family. Family's amazing at this. You know, Holly with her dad moving moving to this new place was, you know, great. She had to spend a lot of time to convince him it was the right idea. It was always the right idea. There was never actually another idea that was better. It was brilliant. But for him to, to change his picture of where he was, took some time, right? Took some work, took some effort. So having good people around you, be it a coach, be it a you know, business advisor. In business, it's a lot easier because you know, you've, you've got clear outcomes. But in life, finding people that you trust, a counselor, a therapist, a friend. It doesn't have to be someone trained, but it has to be someone with your best interests at heart that you trust. That I think is the real underline. And I think it is, it is deeply key. The second thing to think about is, is the only time I see this like really impact people where they can do it themselves is when there's a massive life event. You know, this is, you know, those ones where something changes and the world has adjusted. Now I've seen this when some, when people pass away, 
um, in your life, someone's close to you. I've seen it. If you lose your job, you get made redundant and you have to take another path. You don't have another choice. You know, maybe there's, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe you win, you know, win something that you didn't expect. Maybe you have a promotion at work you didn't expect either. And it's just kind of come out of nowhere and you're, you're pushed into a new challenge that you have to, you have to rise to. Things can then adjust. Your picture can change because it's kind of forced by external forces to change. And I think this is the key. It is always by external forces that we change. People go, hey, you change in intrinsically. Well, you may change internally. When change occurs to you, it's intrinsic. It's internal. It's part of who you are. But the factor that changes it, in my opinion, nine times out of ten, is external. You know, some of my biggest changes have been when I've broken up with partners. You know, it's shaken me up. And I've changed and improved and upgraded myself in ways that I'm sure the partner at the time would have wished I had done, you know, in the time. But it took me breaking up, us breaking up, to to make that change. I needed that emotional kind of nuclear bomb that changed me. And so, you know, those type of moments I used to really get worried about. And don't get me wrong, I'm in a happy relationship, that's not happening again. But I, I, at the time, my early relationships, it used to break me up and I used to cry and be sad, right, when something like that happened. And then I started to realize when massive change happens, you know, I'm not in control of it all the time, but I'm in control about how I react to it. And so I could actually use the energy that comes from these massive moments that I couldn't predict and I could go, how do I use this to move me further towards my goals? How do I use it to create a rift in the matrix to actually start increasing? And, and you know, that was something that I've definitely used over the years to improve myself from health to business to everything. Have I got it right all the time? No. But I've definitely used that energy to ride the wave. So that's what I wanted to share today, guys. Have a think about it. How does this affect your life? You know, do you find yourself getting that picture lock effect? Do you find yourself getting locked in on something happening in a certain way that holds your actions down a certain path? Now, sometimes this could be valuable for you, but where in your life is it not valuable? Where are you running into walls? Where is your dyslexic mind railroading you down a path that you don't actually want to go? Who can you talk to about this? Have you got a friend you can just open up to about this? Just be open, talk about it, get it out of your mouth. Don't keep it in your head because all it does in your brain is go round and round and round. When it comes out your mouth, it at least leaves your brain for at least a short period of time. <laughs> it's a bonus, right? So I just want to share today, guys. I hope you've enjoyed that podcast. I'll be back on Thursday. I will actually do a second podcast this week. Last week got a bit crazy. Uh, have an epic rest of your day, guys, and I'll be back. <laughs>